What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything going on in the world of Asian MMA. This episode is brought to you by a resurgence in frequency, but will it last? I'm Dana Bluen, and this is your weekend Asian MMA recap. Of course, over the weekend, we had one championship back in action in Manila, but before we get into that, I have an update on Battlefield FC, the event I talked about last week. Now we have several outlets that are reporting that all fighters have actually been paid or are at least in the process of being paid. I haven't confirmed that 100%, but some of the fighters have told me they've gotten paid. So that's a step in the right direction. However, this is still going to be difficult for anyone to trust Battlefield FC going forward. I mean, they've had two events and essentially two PR nightmares, both involving fighter pay. There's clearly either some monetary issues or mismanagement going on at Battlefield FC. Given all the issues they've had, I think I should probably say, good sirs, might I suggest you move on to a different venture at this time? Maybe they'll take my advice, I don't know. In a little bit of Pancreas news, there are two interesting matchups added to Pancreas 308 in September. We're going to see Edna Oliveira step in to replace Nora Date against Emi Fujinio in the Strawweight Grand Prix semifinals. That's going to be a fun fight, and it'll be interesting to see how that shapes the Grand Prix. We're also going to see UFC vet Isi Tamora try to get back in the win column against Katishi Sakoyama, who is on a two-fight win streak currently. So that's going to be a fun fight as well. I'm an old-school Pancreas fan, so I always get excited for their cards. And I always like to see UFC veterans go into these other organizations in Asian MMA, especially because I still, we could say that UFC is really the pinnacle, the, the top level of the sport. However, that dynamic has been changing over the past five years or so with Bellator, Risen, even one championship in the mix. Now, with that out of the way, let's move on to one championship, Dawn of Heroes, that went down in Manila over the weekend. This was a really good event. The card was stacked and it was headlined by two title fights, which is something that one has been doing a lot of. And it just good fights throughout the card. The first fight on the card, though, and this is like the very first prelim. This is one I was excited about because we saw Muhammad Ayman taking on Sonoto. And I've been following Ayman since his amateur days in Mima. And for those of you guys who don't know, Mima is a Malaysian invasion mixed martial arts it was a tournament that ran for five or six years and it would last the whole year as this big tournament format in each weight class and it was amateur fighters from all over malaysia really it was a great organization i I miss it now that they're not having it anymore you know Iman was a big part of that scene and uh, that's where we really get to see him develop as an amateur and he looked fantastic against sunoto and keep in mind sunoto is a very game fighter he's he's done very well as a pro and i had Iman winning every round easily he just looked fantastically dominant the thing that's most exciting for me Iman is just 24 years old he's got nine pro fights under his belt he keeps looking better and better i'm excited to see how he develops over the next few years he's in a good camp over in bali mma you know let's really see how he matures and i bet in the next two to three years he's in that title contention if he keeps on this path my only real criticism against Ayman at this point as a pro is that he hasn't been finishing a lot of his opponents like he did as an amateur. I don't know if that's just a step up in competition or he's really changed his mindset or game plan, but I'd like to see him get back to that sort of higher finishing rate that he had as an amateur. On this card, we also saw Yushin Okami in his second outing with one championship, and unfortunately for him, it was another unsuccessful attempt. Yushin ended up dropping a decision to a very game, very tough James Nakashima. Now, Nakashima controlled this entire fight 
from start to finish. He didn't let Yushin get anything off. Every position they got into, Nakashima got the better of. And he just looked like a monster. Maintains his uh, undefeated record. That's someone who you've really got to watch out for. He's definitely in the title contention in one championship. Probably one of, one of my favorite people in that entire weight class at one. I'm excited to see what they have next for him. But I, I want to point out one of these little quirky things you see in one championship that you don't see in other high-level promotions. In the first round, Nakashima had Okami in a choke. Now, it definitely wasn't the best position to be in, but he didn't look like he was close to tapping. However, there's a lot of times you see fighters get into these positions in one championship, and with this one particular referee, he'll stand over the fighter and yell at them to give up. So he'll basically be standing right in front of them or over them and say, give up! give up and it just seems like strange i don't remember any other ref communicating to fighters in that way and honestly it seems like the most inappropriate way to communicate to a fighter for them to show you if they're in trouble you're yelling at them to give up you know that's not really your job ref you're there to protect them not to give them instruction to give up again it's one of these things you see in one championship and it's it's exclusive to this ref as far as i've seen and i i just always found it disturbing and inappropriate anyway Moving on to the main card, we had Demetrius Johnson take home a decision win over Tatsushima Wada. And to me, this fight was a lot closer than it probably should have been. You know, on paper, DJ really is the more experienced, the craftier fighter. And hats off to Wada for putting up a great fight, arguably winning the first round, putting DJ in some precarious situations. Did a fantastic job taking DJ's back. He had this great leg sweep that he pulled off as well, leveraging DJ's leg up. Really, really technical, beautiful beautiful fighting. Now, of course, what makes DJ one of the greatest of all time is he, he was able to fight through all this. He came back for the win. And as a result of getting the win, he'll be moving on to the finals of the Grand Prix to face Danny Kinnad. Punch his ticket earlier in the card with a split decision win over Reese McLaren. Now, I think this matchup in the finals is going to be actually a difficult one for DJ. You know, he hasn't performed fantastically since he's been in one championship. He's looked good. He's looked like himself, but I think DJ's had a tougher time than a lot of people anticipated. And to me, Danny is the type of fighter that might be able to give him a lot more trouble. He's durable. You know, he's won every single time he's gone the distance. And I think that's what we're going to see in the finals is this go down to a decision again. And it could really go either way. I, I don't think this one is set in stone by any means. Now, we also saw Eddie Alvarez get back into the win column with a submission win over Edward Foliang. I've got to give it to Eddie. He got dropped with a leg kick early in the round, and it really looked like he was in trouble. And even before he got dropped with the leg kick, I was thinking that his leg looked injured. And then that kick landed, and he just crumpled. Now, Edward jumped right on top of him and started putting on a little ground and pound, but Eddie was able to get a sweep, land in top position, put a little bit of ground and pound of his own, Folian turns his back to Eddie, and he's able to just sink in the rear naked choke and get the win. Now, I didn't see it going down that way, and I was really impressed. It was, it was a great fight, and that gets Eddie back on track, back in the win column. In the main event, we had Martin Ewan take a second round stoppage to defend his title against Kayomi Matsushima. Now, Matsushima looked really good in the first round he was hitting takedowns he was controlling martin for a little bit each time but it was really martin that was doing more damage even from the bottom he was doing damage against matsushima and he was able to get the better of all the exchanges on the feet and every time matsushima did take him down martin was able to work his way back up 
This is another interesting thing of note because this whole event was held in a ring. I think I'm going to do an even longer episode just on this topic of ring versus cage. I think that there's a lot more depth to go into this. So maybe next week you guys will see that come out. But twice in this fight, in the first round, Matsushima was going for a takedown and Martin went partially out of the ring. He went the first time through the ropes and the second over. Now he didn't go out altogether, but you know his torso did go out or go past the rope each time. Now it's funny because each time the ref warned Martin that he had to stay in the ring, despite it being Matsushima who was driving him out. It wasn't like Martin was trying to get out of the ring to avoid Matsushima. It just happened to be a result of the takedown, and we had to hear the ref verbally warn Martin twice, and even the second time told him it was his last warning. Now, I have no clue what the ref was looking at or thinking other than that it made no sense. And honestly, I'm perplexed by the fact that one has really started holding so many MMA events in a ring. But like I said, I'll get into this a little bit more in depth later because it's a whole complex issue with Asian MMA in general. There's a lot more events held in a ring here than a cage. I think it causes more problems than it solves. And I'll definitely do a deeper dive on that. I think it'll be interesting. Anyway, they came out for the second round and it was all Martin. He turned it up to 11. He was able to shut down every single takedown that Matsushima attempted in the second round and just picked him apart until he was able to force the ref to step in and stop it. It was a great win for Martin. I mean, he really looked dominant. Despite how good Matsushima looked in the first round, he was just always getting the better. And overall, is not a bad show for one. Fairly good card, you know, stacked. Good fights, two title fights in the main event, and it really made me a lot more interested in the conclusions of the two Grand Prix coming up later this year in Japan. That's all I've got for you guys today. Let me know if there are any other shows I missed out there or any other topics you want me to cover. And until next time, to stay up to date with all things Asian MMA, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and Facebook. I'll have all the links in the show notes. Check it out.